0: Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncombe, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I'm joined by Felix Neelam. Felix is a Salesforce architect and program manager, And He has been a guest of ours previously on an episode of Talent Hub TV, but today he's back to share some insight around a recent career transition that he made from consulting into working for an end-user organization. Felix has spent a very large percentage of his career working for consulting businesses, which includes both Salesforce-related consulting and non-Salesforce-related. So today he shares some insight and experiences around the transition that he made, what attracted him to working for an end customer, how he has approached the challenge, some of the new skills that he has learnt, and some of the observations he's made about working client-side. So a really, really interesting insightful episode from Felix. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Felix, welcome back. Welcome back to our show. Uh, last time we were sat on a lovely sofa in the city. Uh, this time we're still uh, still working remotely, but thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks. Thanks for the invite, Ben. Yes, that was uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was, and, uh, yeah. It was actually uh, one yeah. of our
0: first episodes, I think, that um, we recorded.
1: Yeah, I think so. It was probably like episode two or something like that. It was yeah one of the early days.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and at that point, and I, for anyone that's watching or listening now, I recommend going back and listening to that or watching because that was more around your journey, your career, transitioning into Salesforce, working in consulting. So we covered a lot of those topics in the previous episodes. So we won't touch on those today. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really keen to delve into one of your recent transitions. And as as people will will know, if they do listen to the previous episode, you have worked or previously worked in consulting for a really long period of time. Um, In fact, all of your career, you had been a consultant. So whether that's working as a Salesforce consultant or working in, in Sugar CRM previously, that was always on the consulting side. But you have made the transition into working for an end customer. So that's what I'm keen to explore today. So what was it about that kind of transition and the opportunity to work for a customer that, that attracted you after many years in consulting?
1: Yeah, that's 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 a very, very good question, Ben. And yes, as, as, as you said, all, all my career, I've actually been in consulting. So you know, straight, straight off uni, I've been in consulting, never really been in an end customer. So this is my first. And I guess one of the reasons why it's, it's very interesting to me was the fact that it's going to be my first experience working for an end customer. Uh, it's just something that I would like to experience myself. you I mean, just, just to see how it feels like. And, and, and secondly, I guess it's, it's really the unique opportunity that, that came about with this role that, that I'm in. In, in in a way that it's, it's basically the, the opportunity um, came across as a startup, but with an enterprise mindset. And, and what that means is, even though they start everything up from, from the ground up, so I get to basically, you know, Put in all my, uh, I guess, skills and experience I've done in consulting. Just do it right from the get go. And but they have not they have actually back then we already have the financial backing needed to do this right, as if we are an enterprise. So I guess that's, I don't know, I don't know if I can find any other opportunity like this. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that this, this came about.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty unique. And I guess, like as you, you were saying, it was like really from the get go, like the business you were joining at a time where the, there wasn't much there right so it was establishing everything from the ground up and in consulting you're kind of going into a ready formed business in a lot of cases right
1: that's correct yeah so so what the benefit of that is i guess we ha- we don't have any baggage to deal with so it's really starting from a blank sheet of paper and just just do it right from from the start and you know that's that's actually one of the fun bit that i, that I did in, in the beginning just setting up the program you know, uh, just applying all the different best practices and all the different frameworks that I know works with for other cu- other customers that I have worked with, and and having seen it, you know, basically built from the ground up, and now you know a year later, finding out that some of those things that I have put actually works, because well, that's that's where I'm I'm still I'm still here, so I must have done something <laughs> <about it. laughs>
0: absolutely so what what have you found to be the major differences in terms of your role and um, day-to-day and and the like the different styles or challenges and expectations between working in consulting and being employed by a customer that you're you're doing a project for
1: there are a few i guess so the first one that's that's i guess very very key to me is this idea of decision making is something that as as a consultant typically you know, when, when we need to make a, any decisions, like let's say a, solution, a design decision, I would typically find, you know, all the different options and I'll come up with the recommendations and why it's recommended, but it's ultimately the client's decision to make. So now that I'm on the other side, I actually have to make those decisions and I have to live with those decisions. So that's one of the, one of the ma- major difference that, that I feel. And, and the other one is, it, it might be because of the current role that I'm in, it's the fact that I'm a team of one. So I don't really have, you know, other experts around the CRM, around Salesforce that I can talk to. Uh, Whereas in consulting, obviously I have my teams and I have other experts that I can, you know, bounce some ideas around. So whereas right now it's, I do have a team in here as well. It's just that I'm the expert around CRM and Salesforce. So I find myself, you know, trying to like get things maybe, you know, from the community more rather than trying to um, discuss it internally.
0: That makes sense. And, and what um, so you mentioned, obviously, you're, you're now living with the decisions you made. And I think that's one concept that we hear quite a lot from people that they that, that some people that don't want to work in consulting because they feel they never get to see what they've built like they never get to see how that benefits the business. But like has that made you like appreciative of being able to experience that and be able to go actually through the whole journey and then not leave and actually experience how the business is getting value from something you've built?
1: Yeah, that's that's something that's very joyful is one, I guess you can describe it. And yeah. Um, because, yeah, because it, it's like, you know, I know, you know, back in my consulting days, I would, I would say like, you know, put this uh, framework in place, you know, let's, let's just take an example, release management, just put in the, you know, this release management processes, you know, put in a cd automation to ensure it works. But then typically you are in the project, you implement that, and then you don't actually get to see whether that works for the client, like in the next year or so. And whereas here is like, I, I put in the same thing. Basically, you know, I put in what I, I recommended to all my other clients before. And and fast forward to today, I can see it actually working. And, and specifically around this release management, I can't see it being done any other way because if I don't implement what I have right now, which is ci CICD automation, for the most part, I wouldn't be able to perform, you know, weekly releases that I currently do. It's just going to be impossible, especially if I don't have a, an actual team behind me. So, so yeah. that's, that's basically very, yeah, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy with that actually.
0: Yeah, nice. And, and I know um, quite regularly that um, when we speak to people and they are considering consulting, they feel that the pace of consulting is so much quicker than uh, working for a customer and they think that you know you you go through phases right with a customer of being your project then your BAU and then there's a project and BAU whereas with consulting it's kind of quite consistent now I know obviously you're you've been in a, a fast-paced environment and it's startup but do you think there is a major difference in in terms of the workload or the the speed and and the the way in which a, a t- over a time scale things are done
1: um there's there's definitely some differences there Ben. Uh, although I would have to say that the, the, the pace is always um, constantly changing, at least in the current role that, that I'm in. I have to say in the beginning where you know I, I, I tried to basically put everything together from scratch, when we tried to build the MVP, the pace is very much similar to what you would get in, in consulting where, you know here's a project, you just need to run it. And then once it turns into sort of like a BAU type of thing, then it's, that's where it sort of like varies a little bit. And it really depends on um, the demand from the business. One day it could be like, you know, you're just running just standard BAU without not a lot of things happening. But then the next day it can turn it can really quickly, especially in the financial services where, you know, we need this done. And then, you know, suddenly you've got like a lot of people really wanting that specific feature or, or being able to solve that challenge. And then and then basically you you switch gear again to like okay I need to get this done and 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 really really solve solve, solve the business challenges, so sure. so I guess in a consulting maybe you would you would find it more consistent in a way that you know once you finish your project you probably go into the next project with the same level of sort of like pace. Whereas in, in my experience here in in an end customer it's when it is the first build the MVP that's that's the same pace. And then when it turns into a BAU, that's where you you, you can't really predict what's what's going to happen there, uh, and and the key for me is just being really flexible and I guess resilient around it.
0: And in in that period of BAU, is that well, like how do you keep yourself busy because you're you're coming from consulting where you are used to that pace being consistent. Like, did you find it difficult to be comfortable? And like, it's not, I guess it's not, you're not twiddling your thumbs, right? Waiting for work, because I know the environment is busy, but did you find it difficult to to like, you know, know what to do with the extra kind of time and, and peace and less stress that you, you would have felt during that time?
1: Right. Yeah, this is this is a very interesting question, Ben. I did find when in, in the beginning, you know, I was, I was hope I was ready to just, you know, let's do this thing, let's, let's get everything done. You know, I've, I've tried to plan all my day in eight hours in trying to get everything done. And, and then it becomes BAU, obviously, you know, things don't, don't move that, that fast, as fast as it was in the beginning. But I guess in a way, I'm kind of um, fortunate the fact that I am a team of one, which means when, when I'm not doing things that, let's say uh, building things as a developer, there are a lot of other things that I need to solve for. So, an example, I need to think about the roadmap. What's you know what's next for the business? So, so in a way, I, I never run out of work to do. But there are times where uh, I do get to enjoy you know long lunches. I have to say so, and it was, it was, it was kind of weird for me as well. In 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 the beginning, is like it's almost feel I feel I felt guilty having like long lunches. Like this is not normal. But I guess it it comes down to you know when when there are demands coming in. And then when when I put the estimation and I ensure, you know, I hit the target date and from time to time, I do have some, some spare time to, I guess, enjoy it a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I don't really get, in a sense, I don't really get bored because there are always work that I can, I can put into whenever there is a bit of a downtime. And one of those things is I tried as much as possible to keep up with Salesforce product as well, with, you know, new announcements, features here and there. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to find, find myself busy.
0: <laughs> and you don't have to do timesheets anymore, which I guess is an added, added benefit.
1: Oh yes, that's a very good thing for me. So, because my time isn't technically billable. So yeah, I don't need to worry about, you know, what did I spend my time on and, and actually you have to physically enter in timesheet. Yeah, I was, I'm pretty happy with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, roadmap, right? So, and you're, you're responsible for devising and, and delivering that roadmap. Because you were in consulting and, and you were I guess guiding and helping companies and customers shape their roadmap, but you weren't responsible for a roadmap right that's that's their responsibility to to approve what they want to do and then devise the roadmap and then work with you to deliver it. so when you're when you're doing that yourself, was that challenging to do like was it a new skill you had to learn or was it something that building a roadmap is is quite straightforward?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging to, to build a roadmap, especially if you know, it, it's something that I'm responsible for, not something that I recommend, as in consulting. And I think it's, it's primarily because building a roadmap really, I need to understand the business really, really well to be able to come up with that roadmap. Because it's, I, I don't think there will be a roadmap that will be similar from, from one company to another. It's really how the, the companies have the visions around, around the CRM. So what, what it needs to look like. And, and, and sometimes it's challenging because uh, especially in my role, I, I work with a various number of business divisions and different business divisions would want something different out of the CRM. Right. So, you know, some might say like this, you know, all I need is just maybe like just a list of my clients. I don't care about the other businesses, but other businesses might be something different. And the the challenge is to, get that sort of like organization wide view and to get all the business uh, aligned with with what the CRM should look like. And as part of that is is building that that roadmap. So in order for you know everyone to see value in the CRM, you kind of need to build like different blocks here and there to form that sort of like the goal that we want. Uh, and although, you know, having having that experience from consulting definitely helps around you know what sort of shape the roadmap should look like, but it doesn't really translate into, you know, I can't just like copy a template and put it in and it doesn't work that way so i have to work with the business and it, it's continually evolving as well
0: so it's, it's understanding priorities and, and how, how far out do you look like how how long in your experience is a roadmap
1: i want to say um, i t- tend to look like around one year but even here in the in in the fashion services industry i think sometimes one year is i don't know if, if this is correct but for me it's, it's too far ahead sometimes I have to like bring it down to let's say three months in three months what we want to be able to do and I think once I have more of a capacity with the the CRM team then I might be able to look further down the line like what you know the next three years would look like and I think in order for me to be able to do that I also need to understand the industry really well and see the trends in industry what financial service looks like in the next three years and um, yeah unfortunately I haven't really got the luxury of time at this stage so uh, Sometimes I just look like forward in, in the next three months. And while keeping all the, I guess, BAU stuff on a day-to-day basis, I do run weekly releases. So, so I do think in like sprints in two weeks. But whenever I've got time, I look forward to that three months, what I need to you know, achieve in three months. And when I get more time, then I'll try to look forward even further.
0: And obviously now, like you said, you need to kind of become an industry expert, which is something you probably never had to do before because you would go from an airline company into a construction company and, and you don't need to go that deep. So are you investing time in, in learning and, and going deep into the, the, the financial services industry in your own time?
1: Yes, definitely. I, I find myself, especially in the beginning, you know, with not knowing a lot about financial services, even before I start this this role, I start basically reading into this. I think there's this website called Investopedia all the jargons around the industry, how how we make money, you know, how derivatives works, what's equities, what's fixed income, what's debt. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely need to put a lot, a lot more effort around that. And it's something that I continually learn every day as well. And because I'm working with the current customer, I I do have, I guess, the benefits to be able to work with everyone else and actually like experience it like firsthand. How, how this thing works and um, yeah i have to say it's not an easy industry to learn <laughs> it's not something i can learn overnight definitely not and uh, i think it's just like like anything else it's just an experience that I need, I need to continue to gain
0: sure so now that you're a customer if you could go back and, and give a piece of advice to yourself at the beginning of your career as a consultant what would you tell yourself to do differently for the rest of your consulting career
1: the first one, it would definitely be really put yourself in the shoes of your clients. As we've already talked before, being an expert in this industry is really key. So, so I think yeah, I have to really put myself in the client's shoes and understanding their pain, understanding challenges that they have. Uh, but also understanding the industry they are in to be able to come up with you know uh, whatever solutions that they they have a challenge with. And the second thing is is really around this idea of best practice, right? Because everyone always like you know what's what's the best practice. And at the end of the day, best practice is there as a guideline. And yes, we want to aim towards that, but understand that every business is different. So we uh, we need to be flexible around what sort of options, what sort of social options we propose. And it's not always all about best practice, it's about the practice that works for this specific client. And I have to say, even myself right now, I have probably broken a few best practices, especially around release <laughs> management. Uh, and the reason why I do it is obviously I don't really do it just because I can, uh, it's more around, you know, just considering here's the best practice, but considering what we have now, what we should do to make it work. And that's how it basically changing things here and there just to fit to how our business works and best practice is again like I said it's just a guideline if I can't fit everything into best practice obviously yes that's that's great but a lot of the time it's really around just making tweaks here and there uh, to ensure everything works
0: that's uh it's it's really interesting I think uh, like it's a very honest answer as well and I think it's it's good to for people to know that because I think a lot of people are you know as a consultant they feel that they have to follow best practice because it's best practice and that's like, I guess that they, they would be concerned that if they didn't and it comes back that they didn't follow best practice, then then how um, how that potentially could be perceived by the client. But like you said, it's not one size fits all, right? You have to take mm-hmm. into consideration all of these different variables in all of these different companies and uh, and then advise what's best for them.
1: Yes, totally agree with that, yeah.
0: So, what have you learned about working with partners that you kind of weren't aware of before? So, if you think about like bringing a partner into a business and, and giving work out to a partner, what have you learned? What have you gauged from the experience so far?
1: The first thing is obviously, I haven't had any experience dealing with partners because I tend to be the partner themselves. Yeah. So, it's always in a, in, a, in a context of, you know, pre sales, like I'm trying to, you know, make, make myself more knowledgeable than the other partners. Uh, whereas now it's um, all I can say is vetting partners is hard man. <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> really straightforward with that because you know um, typically we'll try to find you know um, all these online reviews you know what experiences they, they the partner company actually have and then even looking at you know simple as app exchange review there's like all the, you know good good star review there even if you talk to you know some case studies references most of the time you'll find everything that's good right because that's you know no partners will want to Have something that's bad out there, obviously. And I think it's really come down to the individuals that you would be engaged with. So no matter which partner you you work with, it's really with the individuals that you will be assigned to and whether that particular individual actually have the experience and the skills that require in the first place. So to to give you an example, even though a, a partner might say, like, you know, we are the expert in, I don't know, implementing uh of is an example. And I've no doubt, like, you know, the, the company itself would probably be an expert on this. And they might have people with the, finance, specifically the financial specifically to financial services industry. But then when when you know when you're okay with it, yep, let's let's go with that partner. And then when you actually deal with with specific individuals, maybe at that time the only person that's available from the from the partner is maybe someone someone new potentially or yep. someone that doesn't really have that deep industry experience that you were after. So so yeah, at the end of the day, you kind of need to work with your partners. And the key is really making that partnership. If the if the all you know communications you have is just around like, you know, KC's CSS the the people that we know, and that's it. It's I don't I don't think that's like trying to form this partnership. So the partnership sure. is really around, you know, what I can do to help you and what you can do to help me. So
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And do you um you mentioned pre-sales before? Do you miss that? Do you miss that element? Or do you, you still get to do pre-sales, but just in a different way because you're doing you're you're selling the potential of of a solution that you can deliver for the, the, the your customer?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess I guess you're right. You can put it that way. So do I do I miss pre-sales? Probably not that much, because I, I, I tend to be I'm I'm more of a practical person then, so I like to you know, just, just tell it as it is. You know, if, if a solution works, I say that solution works. If it doesn't, I'll, I won't try to put fluff on it to say like, it will work. If you do this, I would put fluff like that. But yeah. like, like you said, so, so there is still a form of like pre-sales in the sense that, you know, when, when, when we're trying, even when we're trying to, to build that roadmap, sometimes you have to sell the business. Why do, do I think that's actually going to be beneficial for the business? So that's kind of like pre-sales in a way. It's, it's not like pre-solutions in a way. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you mentioned um, about certifications and and like staying on top of what else is happening in the ecosystem. Has that been a struggle because you have a a select number of products or clouds or or features that you're using in your day-to-day role? And I'm guessing something like field service lightning is nowhere near um, uh, something that's on your mind day-to-day because I'm guessing it doesn't have a use case in in your industry uh, right now or, or correct me if I'm wrong, but like, do you still feel the need to be across other things that you're not working with day to day?
1: This is definitely, it's definitely challenging to keep up with all the different, the various, you know, clouds and products. And again, because I don't have the luxury of time, I tend to just focus on what I have in front of me. So you, you, you mentioned Field Service Lightning. I definitely don't know much about Field Service Lightning anymore. I don't follow them. And because it's because we, we, we haven't really used them and I don't really have any use case for us to, to, to use field service lightning. And yeah, I just, I tend to just follow the, I guess the the, the clouds like we actually utilize now. What I find myself utilizing more is the, the ideas exchange. Typically, you know, in consulting, I just say like, oh, this doesn't work. And um, well, you can just like push an idea there, but we have, we have another way to do it. But now I find like, this doesn't work. Let's put an idea, let's push for it. Cause I really need yeah. this for my business. <laughs> And it's, it's really a struggle to find time to, to, to keep up of all these things. And yeah, a lot of the time it's, it's really just, because I don't have a lot of like free time, right? So when I do, I tend to try to basically focus on DropNet for the business. And rather than trying to, you know, find, oh, what's, what's that cool feature in Field Service Lightning? Because I, if, if I know that's something that we wouldn't use here in my current role, then I sort of find that even though it's good to have that knowledge, but if I don't apply that knowledge, it will just go away. So I don't like doing that pretty much. And in fact, with all the certification that I've got, unfortunately, some of them are, I've definitely been lacking. Field Service Lightning is one. I still will find time to maintain my certifications because I think right now Salesforce just makes it a little bit easier to maintain them. You know, you just need to complete the uh, Trailhead badges, which I still find like the, uh, it's, it's, it's an easier form of basically keeping up with, with what's, what's happening. Especially with all sure. these major releases. So yeah, it is it is a struggle.
0: And do you value certifications as much as you did previously?
1: That's a very interesting question. I guess it depends on the context that why why you're asking that question. So in terms of, you know, building my, my personal brand, um, certifications, I still think there is still a place. In terms of, you know, because again, I'll probably echo when, when, when I was coming from SugarSlam to Salesforce, the only way I can show that, you know, I know my stuff, it's just that I haven't used Salesforce is through certifications. So I think if I'm looking sort of like from a, from a future standpoint, where let's say if I decide to, you know, to go back into the ecosystem, being in a consulting company, not really an end customer, then I would say certification is still one of the things that you would look for. So in the context of personal sort of like personal brand, I think it's there's still a place for certifications. Although I wouldn't I wouldn't go you know go out of my way to just to just gather all the certifications now. I'll just get things that will be relevant to me. But then let's say in the context of engaging a partner, whether that's still like a value for me personally, I actually value experience more than certifications. And it's it's just how I know I know even from my personal experience sometimes. You know, you've got a lot of experience in in one part of the, I say, the Salesforce product. It's just that maybe you just haven't got time to really get certified, but that doesn't mean you don't know that stuff. And if you go from the flip side, sometimes I don't know if this is this is a practice for a consulting company, but I know I know some do that. You know, typically we'll try to get certifications first, and then because we have certifications, then we get exposure to those projects that require them. And so it's sort of yeah. like a catch-22 kind of, kind of problem. So in a way, yes, although you know the theory, but you haven't applied the knowledge. So sometimes, you know, you, you kind of have to like uh, take it as, as a grain of salt, I guess.
0: Sure. And my final question, do you think you would be a better consultant now having worked for a customer than if you had never done this, uh, this role?
1: Very interesting question. <laughs> it's definitely a plus for me to have an experience working for an end customer especially in in financial services because now i know the pain i'm i'm, I'm leaving the pain now and yeah. then, but whether that would make me a better consultant it's i guess we have to first define what better consultant means if better means you know i can deliver projects more successfully i guess again it depends you know if the project is in financial services then i can apply the experience i have now so I guess I would have more success in building that project. But then if, if you define better as like as an overall brother, I'm, I'm better because I've got more experience now that I have uh, worked for an end customer. I guess in a way, yes, because previously this is, this is my first experience working in an end customer. So now I, I got that in my back now. So, so I guess if I go back to the consulting world there, then I can say that I have lived and breathed the pain and I have tried this solution, that solution, and I kind of can look for things that you know might not work or might work. And to go back to circle back to the first discussion we had is hopefully I have somewhat have some level of expertise in the industry, which helped me become a better consultant, I guess.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I think if you'd have left it with it depends, I was gonna say, isn't that a consulting answer and an <laughs> architectural answer? I was gonna say you've never lost your <laughs> consulting skills. <'cause, Yes. laughs> um, Yeah, I think like having the empathy for the customer right now, you understand you, you can put yourself in their shoes and you can understand, you know, the, the ramifications of the decisions you make long-term are going to affect people. And I think that's, that's, uh, yeah, now, now it gives you that kind of insight into taking care and, and more obviously I know you were a great consultant and you would take care of customers anyway, but you really understand the importance of that because you're now living in those shoes.
1: That's correct. Yes.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really, really good to catch up. I'm glad you're really enjoying your role, and uh, yeah, really interested to see uh, how things continue to develop and where things go from here. So, if anyone wants to pick your brains on life in a customer, is LinkedIn still the best place?
1: Yep. Can you hit me up in LinkedIn. I'm always try to help and always like challenging questions that sometimes make me think as well. So around how I implement things. So so yes, happy happy to answer questions. Spin me on on my LinkedIn, and and then thank you, thank you again for inviting me to to your podcast, and um, I'm I'm very honored to to come back to to your show. Actually, yeah, it's been great.
0: Yeah, good to catch up. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. And we're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us.